Welcome to the Scalability Podcast, your go-to resource for those who want to profitably grow your business beyond the limits of your personal time, energy, and skills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Scalability Podcast. And today, I got my older brother, F, fresh out the pinta. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, not yet. Nah, not actually. So, um, a lot of you guys have been wondering, friends family, colleagues, people uh, we went to high school with. I swear, I, bro, I cannot go through this city. It's a couple of times a week, I get asked, where's that friend? Where's he been? It's like he disappeared. What is he doing nowadays? Is he still at that barbershop? Does he still got remix open? Where, what's, where, I see his wife on social media. Where's he? Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, can you uh, can you catch the folks up on what's going down? Yeah, um, you mind if I uh, start us off in a, in a little little prayer? Yeah, Something absolutely, been, um, absolutely. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus, um, God, I just thank you for salvation. I thank you for the message of the gospel. Um, God, I thank you for life, for opportunity, uh, for health. Thank you for family, and um, just thank you for the journey. And God, we just invite you into this podcast um, that your spirit will flow, God, and that the people that need to hear this, God, um, that will touch them in a way that will move in their hearts and and, um, that you'll move, God, and that you'll be glorified in all this. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, and that's that's powerful, man, because uh, just so you guys know, I asked F, like, is there anything that is off limits today during today's podcast? And um, he has agreed to just be 100% vulnerable with us. Um, so, yeah, man, let's go. Um, well, uh, first and foremost, man, I'm just grateful. Um, I'm grateful uh, where I'm at in my life and this journey. But um, I took a break and a timeout on life. Um and I felt like that was a, a part of me to show myself the show myself some love, right? And um, but uh, anyways, I went away. I, I'm I am away. I had a program called the Central Valley Teen Challenge, and I needed to take a time out and recalibrate and find myself um, and. Uh, also reestablish my relationship with God and being there, it was a one year commitment and, um, to teach you biblical truths and, uh, they have counselors there and help you out to look inside and, and see who you are. You know, I've been, I've been stuck in, um, substance abuse, uh, since I was 18, I'm 33 now. And, um, I would try to get clean and sober and, um, I would do good for a while and, um, I didn't know why I would go back. And, uh, so I took this opportunity to leave town. I skipped out and I went to Fresno and I needed to get out of town 
And I'm glad I did because on the third day, I was like, man, if I had my phone in my wallet, I'd have been, been out. I'd been yeah. gone because it's hard. Yeah. But um, I went over there, took a break from life um, and just kind of surrendered everything. Um, life, kids, family, uh, career. And took it, took it as an opportunity to learn about myself because I've been stuck in my cycle for so long and I didn't know why. And um, there in this process, in this journey, I've learned um, that I had so much rage, so much anger, so much uh, pain in my heart um, from uh, our upbringing to things that happened to us, for us, um, and things that we just didn't understand. And um, I'm coming to a place of knowing who I am, um, but also just as importantly, knowing who I'm not, right? Because society will try to cultivate you to be someone um, it'll, it'll sell you a lifestyle. It'll sell you a, a, a mindset. And, um, for me personally, I just felt like I bought into, um, what the world wanted me to be. Right. So I sought out, um, are we going straight into this? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. um, I, I do want to hear more, right. But for those, uh, for those who are listening, right. Like when you say substance abuse, can you like be a little more specific? Right. Okay. Um, because there's, there's people who are listening to this, right. Who know you and when they, you know, hear the name Efren and they think of substance abuse, like it's like the two could never exist in their minds. Right. Um, and, uh, like, especially like for me, like when I get asked questions, I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, hey, he's he's currently right now like going through rehab, and people are like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what do you? How? Who? Efren? My Efren? The Efren <laughs> I went to school with? That Efren? Like, no, <clears throat> right? Um. So you know, like, and and this and this also goes to show, like, um, for everybody, right? Like, because our our family has had a hard time going through this. Your your wife and kids have uh had to like go through this, and this this right here, um. You know, there are people who we look at and we would never think like, oh, man, this person has a problem. Right. Or they're dealing with these things. Um, and here you are. Right. So can you go a little more into detail? Um, it's a variety, a variety of things, really. But the one that was really consuming my life was opiates. Mm-hmm. Right. Started off with an injury and getting prescribed meds um narcos to oxy to then uh fentanyl morphine um and at that point it just became anything that would give me that would alter my mind you yeah. know anything that if the bottle red may cause drowsiness run it <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah. um and so um i would snort pills um and uh just try to get my hands on anything that would alter my mind and suppress my everything that i didn't even know was there Uh, i knew i felt these things from anxiety to anger rage um unhappiness and whatnot but um yeah opiates is one that almost took me down yeah um you know but god but god had a a different plan for me that's right yeah, and that's and guys like this is uh you know and, and also because uh, you know FF is being vulnerable, so am I, right? Um, drugs for us when we were younger, um, I feel like it was pretty normal, 
you know, uh, uh, for us to always have drugs around. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean this, you know, is there something you want to say? Cause it's, uh, go ahead, man. um, yeah, so no, no, nobody, um, I, I don't know what it was, man. I don't know what it was, but, uh, like when, when we were younger, especially like when we would go party, okay. I, I guess like from my perspective, right. As your younger brother, right. Like I knew that we would go party. We would do Coke. We would do Molly. We would smoke. We would drink. We would do these things. But, um, at that time, like for me, it was fun. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Cause like Coke, for example, I like, I feel like if I was ever addicted to anything, it was cocaine. Right. But when the money ran out, cocaine ran out. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, like you just can't get more. It's very expensive. Right. And we always had the rule of like, yo, no meth. Like meth is not good. Right. Meth is bad. We, we got, <clears throat> we got raised better than that basically. Right. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. Better, Quote unquote <laughs> better. better than that. But you know, uh, thank, thank God we didn't get into meth because meth is cheap. It's very easily accessible. <laughs> man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man. So now coming back to, uh, you know, to you, like nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody knew. Sure. I barely even knew. You know what I mean? Like I started at 18 due to an injury. And at that time it wasn't a, at that time it wasn't a, a epidemic like it is right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, all I had to do was text people on my phone, like who got his pain pills, who got his pain pills, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, people that went to go get their molars taken out, you know, that had dentist work that sprained their ankles, regained Norcos, Percocets, you know? Um, and I remember at the age of 23, um, I try to, cause I was, I've always, I was always been an athletic and mm -hmm. that's right. You, right. you were always an athlete. Yep. You, you know you've been, I mean? you, uh, you've been a soccer player since your dad had you. Yeah. For like like seven years, right? man. Yeah. You know? And so at 23, I try to stop taking them. Um, and I realized how, how sick I would get. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, crap. Like I'm addicted to this stuff, mm -hmm. but I didn't even think that it was anything crazy. I thought of hard, I thought of drugs as of like, heroin um meth right powder yeah. hardcore in the needle yeah. you know what i'm saying um that's what i thought of drugs and so i didn't think too much of it 23 i acknowledged that i couldn't get off of it um it wasn't an issue yet because they were still cheap to free mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. then eventually they started becoming uh, a hot commodity yeah like people know? started figuring out like, yeah they oh, started damn. figuring it out yeah because i i remember like dude like uh Ooh, I was talking to somebody who sold them. They were like thirty, forty dollars a pill. At the eventually, eventually, yeah, eventually they got there. That's but where, yeah. I remember thinking like, damn. Yeah. Like people are paying this much mm -hmm. for these pills. Yeah, and that's how, and that's how a lot of people wing off of pills and just go straight into shooting, shooting up. You know, um, it's, it's pretty much the same thing, right? Like, uh, oxycodone is like a synthetic heroin. Uh, well, oxy is just, uh, it's, it's made right. Like, I mean, I couldn't really tell you too much about it, but it's a script, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, it's professionally made and mm -hmm. what the, what the script says it is, that's what it is. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. the street drug, you get a, a street drug, you get a bag and you don't know how much to shoot up. You don't know how much to snort smoke. Right. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. And you know, um, you never know what's in it. Yeah. Dude, dude, I remember we were at a rave one time in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And you were like telling me like, dude, don't buy anything from anybody. But me being like young, I was like, no. Me I'm remember, do you remember that time when we were sitting down because we were going so hard and this dude comes and drops a cigarette. Dude. And we look at each other and I don't know what if we pause and said no. 
No, dude, or, I like I was about to light it up and you took yeah. it away from me and then you you like started opening it and looking inside of it. And then dude comes back. Like tweaking. And he says, Don't smoke it. It has PCP. Yeah, but like you guys have to realize like it's like like yeah. you know, we're like sitting in like in, in the in the back row in like some some place in, in uh in Frisco and like you know this dude but he's like tweaking, he comes back, he's like, Don't smoke that. It's gone. Yeah. Like yeah. I was like, Oh man. But but that same night though I didn't listen to you and I ended up buying a pill. It was a yellow monkey uh, from some dude in the I bathroom. Didn't yeah, I didn't. Well, you, you knew it when I wouldn't sleep for the next three days, right? Because like <laughs> the, the moment that the pill hit my hit my oh, tongue, man. like I remember my whole throat went numb, and I, and I was like, damn. But like in the moment, I'm like, oh man, this is the greatest like mo- or ecstasy I've ever had. But dude, I was like throwing up and yakking for three days, and it's like. Ugh. So coming back to your point, but you, at, you you don't know what's in these yeah. in these drugs. That 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 drug could easily take in my life that night. Yeah, especially like back then, like back then, fentanyl wasn't really like something people worried about. I don't even think it, I'm not even sure if it was even out at that time. I'd never heard it up until these recent years. Yeah, you know, probably the last five years, you 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 hear you hear of fentanyl, and right now, man, being in the being the program, um, man, you hear people leaving because of petty stuff and they go out and take another hit and, and they've died, you know, probably like six, six to eight people that I've, I've heard die from just leaving, going back. And, and I remember even before coming into the program, um, overdosing twice, Yeah, you know, and I was used to snorting like 10 to 15 pills a day throughout the whole day. Wow. And I picked up and, um, I was driving home. I don't know if, uh, Anais had mentioned this, but I picked up, I snorted one, and you know the 680 and the 280 when you're going yeah, 101 north. Yeah. I somehow ended up uh, ended up over there across from Gruyente. Uh, yeah. Um. So you you ended up going to the right. Yeah. And I and I blacked out. Oh. And she mentioned something like this. Yeah. Where she found you in a car. Well, no. So she found me in the bathroom. Okay. Okay. But so- this one, I I was I was facing a wall and the people were honking at me and ambulances and fire department was pulling up. And I woke up and I was like, what the heck? And people were just like honking at me. And, and I was like, what the heck happened? Like, where, where am I yeah. and tripping out? And that was just one. And yeah. I, like I said, I was used to snorting 10 to 15 a day. And that's when you had came out of rehab. Um, or I don't even remember. It's probably like, it's been so many times in and out. Well, I, I could imagine like uh, the, you know, so someone goes and, you know, they go through their withdrawals. They're off for two, three, four months. Yeah. And then they go back and they try to do the dose. Their tolerance that, goes down. And then they end up getting. Yeah. Right. They try to take the same rip and, you know, um, up, but but at this time, I'm still like. Man, um I don't know. Just like even if, like if I were to do something now, my tolerance, your tolerance is like it's still pretty up there. Uh, you, you know, your body's used to it, um, but the drugs are just getting worse. And my point is in saying that is like this drug is just getting worse. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying fentanyl. Uh, there's videos out there that like there's grains of salt, a grain of salt of just being around it, inhale like just just handling it, mm-hmm. right? People can die. You know, and that's how that's how bad it is. And they're putting this in, in cannabis that they're spraying it on cannabis and vape pens, you know, cigarettes. Um, they're putting in meth, you know, because it's an addictive opiates, an addictive uh, chemical, mm-hmm. you know, um, is your feel good. Yeah. You know? So so fentanyl is an opiate then. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know as far as its background, how it's produced or manufactured. Yeah. But 
it's just all it takes is a grain of salt. And and, and you've had you've had fentanyl. Yeah. But what was your first experience like? Um. Well, that was because oxy got pulled from the market, so it's just a replica of oxy, and they just put fentanyl on it because it is an opiate. Um. But remember, the first time that I tried it, it it was way stronger. Like normally if I take an oxy, I'll probably need like three hits, probably three pills to snort to get a cool buzz. Whereas the fentanyl pill, all I needed was that same size, same density, one hit, one snort, and I was I was cool for a minute. You mm. know, so if I was already at level ten, fentanyl took me to a level twenty. Wow. You know? Um, and it's just crazy, man. Like I did some research on it and it's a, it's a fast acting opiate. So it goes through. So that's why I was, I was, I was smoking or smoking, snorting 10 to 15 a day. Like I needed one, like, like every hour, every two hours, you know, like just snorting it. So coming, like if we, if we also like go back to like the barbershop days, right? Because I remember, you know, I remember like there was a time where I was like, yeah, my brother, he works 12 hour days. He sells his lunches. He's a hustler. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize. Like, I didn't even realize. You know what I mean? I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that I was doing this to myself. You know, yeah. it was just something that I did, you know. Um, so, okay. See, and, and again, this is, you know, I, I was around you all the time. Yeah. I didn't realize like, huh, oh, my brother's getting kind of skinny. In my mind, I'm like, oh, you look good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he's working all day. He's not eating lunch. Like he's like packs of Red Bulls and five hour shots and and pills. Yeah, know? I did. It didn't it didn't register in my mind. Yeah. Well, because like because you don't you just um, we didn't like if it was like if you seen a bag of Coke and you see me snorting, you'd be like, OK, something's going on. Like, all right, bro, like <laughs> slow down, bro. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you see pills it's like, all right, well, well he's kind of legal. His back hurts. His back, you know, it's prescribed. Yeah, right. He's been in accidents. You know? So you, you don't got, think of it. Yeah. You don't think you don't really put much thought into it. Yeah. You know, um, I just want to reiterate too, like, um, I want to make sure that what we talk about, it's going to, it's going to, um, help give a warning. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like this could happen to anybody, you know, yeah. your, your kids, your, your nephews, nieces, like it's important that we educate the youth, man, educate the people, you know, that this stuff is out there is dangerous. Yeah. You know, and it, and it starts with a small compromise of I'll try it or being around the wrong crowd. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, man, I've been seeing over this past, you know, 10 months, like I've been seeing people just drop, you know, like I just pe see people just drop from 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 this stuff. You know? For those who don't know what drop means, he means dead. They're dead. Yeah, they're, they're gone. They're dead. They ain't coming back. R.I.P. You know, uh, and it's sad, man. Matter of fact, I'm a driver over there at the program and. Um, this dude got dismissed for not wanting a bottle because he was too ashamed to admit and, and you know that he was using on campus and we had to go drop him off. I went to go drop him off somewhere and he chose a particular area um, that serves this you know serves you know serves it whatever and um, and he's telling me like I'm finna go use and I think what hurt me the most, man, is like I understood the pain, I understood the anger, the rage, because he he got he got dismissed, um, and he and he was ashamed to admit that, yeah, I did use, and that led him to being dismissed simply because he didn't want to he didn't want to do a a test, right, a yeah. drug test. Yeah. Um, and on the way to dropping him off, he's like, I was challenging, like, bro, please, man, like, don't, like, this could be your, this could be your last time, bro. Um, and he's like, all right, effort, let's go. 
and I called the center and I was like, Hey, I'm bringing him back. He's going to piss. He's, he's, you know, and I, and, and they're like, it's too late. Tell him to reapply in 30 days. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it wasn't the program's fault. You know, it's, yeah. you got to hold people accountable too, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's a balance, you know, yeah. but, um, it was sad for me because I knew what he was going to go do. And he, you know, I, I pray that everything went well with him and that he gets another chance and he reapplies in 30 days. But, you know, people are just dropping like flies off this stuff, man. And, and, it's sad. Like I had to take him. I, it's like I felt like I took him to the slaughterhouse. Wow. That's what it felt like. I I stayed in the parking lot and I grieved for like ten minutes, man. Like, just sad. You know. Like it sucks, bro. Um, but you know, uh, I just gotta trust God. All right. So <clears throat> there's 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 a moment I remember. Like, okay. So when you when you made the decision, because I I remember, like, the first time. I heard that you were going to go away for a year. And I remember, like, when you think about a year, it's like, oh, my God, how's my family going to do it without me? Right. Like what? Like you, you think that it's impossible to go away for a year. Yeah. Yeah. That That's like going through, like because even even me, like when I heard you were going away from here, I'm like, how? Yeah. But you know what's crazy, though? It's like that's that's how we know God is good. Yeah. Because look, look. You you've been away for a year, and you've been becoming a well. I'm not gonna say a better person because you're already a great person. These drugs never made you a bad person. You you didn't you were not uh, you know you you these you you were not a bad person ever. But there's no but. Um, and while you were going through it, you know your wife grew. Your yeah. Ki- your kids, your kids are great, dude. Your kids are freaking awesome, phenomenal yeah. children. And then, you know, we just had breakfast this morning, yeah. right? Like, um, and, and just so for those of you who know, who don't know, like he's, he's, uh, Efren is not out yet. You're going to be out in uh, your graduation from the program is in August, yeah. right? So today, or the, basically these last, uh, what you get three or four days? Uh, I get three days. Three days. So, uh, it's Anais's birthday. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's out here visiting her. Um, but you know, so, <sighs> There's there's times where we run into situations where we think like, oh, man, like I, for some people, it might be going away for, you know, to rehabilitate yourself. For some people, it might be like, oh, man, I got to go back to school for how many years or for how much time or I got to sacrifice for how much time. And in your mind, it freaks you out. But like that's something that I'm really starting to learn is like everything is going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know. For, for to start off like it was life or death you know i knew that if i stayed out here i eventually was going to end up back in the same situation and um i knew that after this last time i had went to detox um things were just just, just falling apart my anais she didn't leave me as far as being married and together but she left my she she went to go protect the kids and 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 her own like she is it was hard to see somebody like that who's just destroying their life yeah yeah I mean, bro there's 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 a lot of negative repercussions as as uh, as a partner right yeah she she uh, it, as a woman she put the kids first yeah right and, yeah you know what i mean and 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 she had a, she <laughs> i was so mad but at the same time i'm just so proud that she made this decision but she read she read this book called boundaries or something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she drew a boundary yeah. You know, and she's like, I love you, but I can't sit here and watch you ruin your life. 
So she drew a boundary. She went to go live at her mom's. Um, and I was like, I'll be all right. I'm getting high, woo, woo, right? Nah, when my Kanye says something. He says, is a house really a home when your loved ones is gone? You know, um, I had a whole house to myself and in a good area, nice area. Um, got, I had drugs. And when they bounced, I was like, man, like I felt so dead, so empty inside. Um, went to go detox and whatnot. Um, what was I saying? How do we lead to that? Um, so we were okay. So we were talking about uh, so on Eastern boundaries. We were talking about um, oh god, I'm uh, I can't remember. Uh, let's see. Because I know where I want to go with this conversation. I can't. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the year, right? The year, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, don't do drugs, guys. Yeah, don't, uh, don't. Sometimes I wonder, bro. Sometimes, <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like, damn, like my memory's so bad. Like, did I just bro. like snort like that much coke and like yeah, do that yeah, much Molly? Where like man. I I damage my brain like that, Cause, you know? Because I, I doubt that the cannabis did it, even though we smoked a lot. But like, I don't think it was a cannabis. But um, so yeah. it was life or death, right? Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do this, and and I need to take this time to learn who I am. I've been using since I was 18. I played sports and had people around me my entire high school career. And um, and at 18, I started really going hard and, and uh, drinking, smoking, you know. And um, and so I didn't really – I suppressed so much that when I became sober, I didn't know how to deal with the anger, the rage, and and face these mountains, face these demons, face these – things in my heart that were causing me to react and, and respond with consuming something. Um, and so I went, took the year to go and find myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, along the way, God met me where I was at and, um, revealed things to me, you know, about myself. And so, yeah, it was, it was a very hard, difficult thing. And initially truth is you're like, I was like, all right, a year. I'm, just, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a year. But once I got there, bro, like you can ask people at the center. Um, I was hot for like a month. You know, I like I didn't talk to nobody. I was ready to pop off on people. I was grieving. I was sad. Um, you were withdrawing. I was. Um, no, I had already went to detox. Oh, you went to detox and then yeah, went to the program. Went, okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and I was grieving. And I was grieving. My for what I knew life to be right on my own accord, self-employed mm-hmm. moved on, you know, when I want to move, I move and when I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a sacrifice. Um, uh, but I knew that if I didn't take this time, invested this time in myself that I was, I was going to end up dead Yeah. or at least on the street, you know? Um, so, so let me ask you this, right? So I, I want to bring this, uh, I want to bring this back into entrepreneurship because I feel like there is, um, we don't talk about mental health enough yeah. in, in, in the it's entrepreneurship huge. space. It's huge. And so before you were even married, let, let's just go like after high school, like dude, you, you, you've been through a lot. <laughs> Uh, especially like with money, you've, you've built up money. Like you've always been really good at saving. 
right and, yeah. and stacking stacking like I, I you were always like the person who always had it like if somebody had like something to get off like oh dude i paid two thousand dollars for these tires but i'll take like 300 like yeah. you, you, you know people would come to you all the time with all these opportunities because they always knew you had money right and and you were the guy and you just always had like good deals on cars on electronics on like right um so you had always been like that hustler but when you started getting into like building out your barber shop there was tremendous pressure not just with like putting up the money getting the location getting hit up by the hood that was across the street yeah <laughs> from the barber shop yeah. right like there eventually it came to the point where there was like managing people uh and the stress that came with that but a lot of people don't realize yeah. like how traumatic that actually is yeah. right so do, do you think that the trauma from uh, being an entrepreneur, um, you know, do you think it affected you using? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think before that, it's you don't even know how to manage your own life, your yeah. own emotion, wounds, traumas, and and face those to then now taking on seven to 14 other personalities and characters and their traumas and their wounds, right? Because they're going to bring that with them to the work. And mm. you know what I'm saying? That's right. Um, and so... It's, it's 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 that viewpoint bringing your daddy issues to the barbershop and now i'm your daddy you know what i mean like it's like we all have issues right we're all yeah. broken people you feel me and yeah. and um and we don't even realize it i didn't realize it for so long yeah because i remember there would, there'd be some days where you call me you'd be pissed you'd be like oh man yeah because you know and that was and, and the thing is that was just fueling the rage like the things of, of at work were just was just fueling the rage that i already had yeah right um, and now it's like if if I were to go through something like that again, I'd probably look at it and be like, "Huh, I feel bad for that person. That person's like projecting how they feel, and yeah. and and they're hurting, and they don't even know it." Yeah, I think I think as as we progress, the things that used to bother us don't bother us anymore. It becomes normal. Um, but I, I think um one thing I want to ask is, uh, was the barbershop while you were away for, or while you've been away for this year, has it been producing income this entire time? Yeah. Um, I remember throughout my career and, and, um, like I have known of God since I was 16. I didn't really know God, I just knew of, and I would read the Bible and I would hear the stories. And, and, um, one of the things that I needed to do was I felt like God was telling me to sell my shop so that I can go away for the year and, and leave that chunk of money for my wife so she mm -hmm. can maintain. Right. And it, and not just that, it was my identity. It was who I was and it's what people knew me for. It's what got me through the doors of, of places that you typically wouldn't get through, you know, um, you, you are evergreen Barbara. F. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's so it, I was just consumed and, and, and emerged and, and, uh, I don't know if he merges the right word, but consumed in, in being a barber is who I, my identity was, what, how mm -hmm. I identified, right? Um, and I felt, and at this time, I didn't really know if it was God or not, but I just I just felt this tug in my heart, like, like you got to sell the barbershop. You got to give it up. Yeah. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Nah, heck no. Nah, God, I ain't doing that. Yeah. Tripping, right? <laughs> but uh, there's a story in the Bible, Abraham and Isaac, where God tells Abraham to go sacrifice his one and his, his one and only son. Um, it was a miracle for him. It was, it was a promise from God. And cause his wife couldn't bear kids. They were already old in age. And so it was just odds stacked against them. They got blessed, got a kid. 
So now it's a miracle baby, right? Um, and he tells him go sacrifice him. Mm. And so this is in the Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, hold on. Um, I don't, I don't know like exactly the, where it's I don't at. Sound but like the New Testament. No, no, to no, me. no, hold no. on. <laughs> nah. Uh, and the point of the story is that God wanted to see if He was gonna put him before before God, if He was gonna put Isaac before God. So he goes to the hill or whatever, and right, right. I remember this story, and yeah. like right before he's and right about before to he's like, about to just you know take him out. God's like, hold up, hold up. All right, all right, cool. Testing him, just yeah. testing. Right, and he wanted to see: Are you gonna put, Are you gonna put what I gave you, right, before me? Yeah. Right, and a lot of times we do that. We idolize our careers, our, 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 our wives, our family, our kids, our jobs, uh, finances, whatever. We put something right, whether it's working out, anything, mm-hmm. right, anything that you put before God is an idol, right? And um, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna go sell the shop. Like I was, I was just like, all right, I, I gotta do this, right? Mm-hmm. I gotta leave my my wife some money. Um, so I went to go do that, had the first meeting, met up for the second meeting to go sign away the papers and transfer ownership and all that. And then they're like, nah, we're not gonna, we, we decided not to. And I was just like confused, like, hold up. We drive, we're driving away. I, I'm, I'm a little bit mad, but I'm more confused. Like, yeah, God, like, I thought, I thought you told me to sell this. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. What? You know? And so I'm just confused and whatnot. And um, but in that process, I was able to detach my heart from the identity of being a barber, of being a shop owner. I was able to give it back to God. I was able to just detach from it, mm. right, and just trust God with whatever He was going to do in my life. Yeah, and that was part of, and that and that was hard, man. So that was a pruning process um, yeah. that started early, and I didn't even know it. Um, and so, so, um, so just so for those who, who know you, are you still the owner of Evergreen Bar? I Shop? still own it. Yeah. And um, it's been providing for my wife uh, since I've been in the program. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, shout out to them, too, because they stood there and they they're, they're holding it down while I'm away. Um, they could have they could have bounced. Right. The leader left. Mm-hmm. Right. They could have bounced and been like, well, you know, so many reasons, but yeah. they're still there. You know, and I'm grateful to God for them. Uh, for that, that, that makes sense. Real quick, could you check and see if that camera's still rolling? Yeah. Perfect. Mine is too. Cool. I just want to make sure we, we need to get a solution for these cameras. But anyways, um, so yeah, man, that's, and that's good, man. Like I, I so, you know, it, it was funny because the other day Anais, um, you know, Anais, she, uh, I had called her because I was like, you know, Anais has colored hair. So uh, I wanted to bleach Angel's hair. So I was like, maybe she knows how to bleach hair. So I call her. And I was like, hey, can you bleach Angel's hair? And uh, they, you know, they were like, uh, or, and I asked her if she could bleach his hair. She said, you know, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> she said, I'll bleach Angel's hair if you start taking Angel to Evergreen Barbershop for the haircut. And I said, oh, I was like, what do you think that you think that I don't go to like, you think that, I, it, okay. I, I told her, I was like, do you think that I really like am not supporting my brother's business like on purpose? Cause I was like, no, no you have to understand like, I'm very unloyal when it comes to hair. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not loyal when it comes to any barbershop. Actually, you could ask F. Like I used to be the guy who like would, like I would sacrifice myself for the new people. Like, yeah. hey, you guys can cut my hair, right? Because yeah. I just I don't care. Um, but I told her I was like, it's it's not that I don't want to go to uh, Evergreen Barbershop. It's that every time I'm there, I get asked questions about F. F, 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 and I'm like, dude, like, you know, and, and, and a big part of me, like, up until pr- pretty much recent, pretty much, like, up until, like, these last couple months, like, I didn't like talking about 
what you were going through, mainly because I wasn't sure the level of privacy you wanted, yeah. you know, and it's hard. Like I, like I bump into your cousin at the, uh, you know, I, I bump into your cousin at the, at the sandwich shop and you know, I'm like, Oh yeah. Efren's in rehab. <gasps> He's in rehab. Like, you know, like, and, and just, you know, and then she starts telling me stories in his back and how they gave it to God. And, you know, like, I'm like, bro, like, you know, like, and, and, and it just like, when I run into stuff like that, I'm like, dude, like you're telling me this entire story to, um, you know what, the way that I took it is like, are you saying my brother's not holy enough? Like, that's why he's going what he's going through. And that's why your husband gets got healed by God. And my brother didn't like, you know, but I run into shit like that. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. You know, so I'll go to other barbers so that I don't have to talk about this. Yeah. Cause like I, you know, I already got enough shit that, uh, like I bro, there, there's, I'm, I'm very much aware. Like there was a long time where I had to come to peace where it's like, damn, my brother could be dead at any time. And there's nothing really I could do about it. <laughs> and there was a long time where we all had to go through that. You know what I mean? Like where it was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Like we've all done what we can do for F. Like yeah. we've been there for him. We try to, you know, we all, we all, we are all there, right? So yeah. it's like when you when you come to that realization, like okay, God's all he has right now, yeah. and he needs professional help, right? It's like how do you explain that to people? You know what I mean? Like when you're in a chair for yeah. an hour with somebody, yeah. and they're asking about you, like it gets it it eventually goes there. Yeah. So. You know, that's why I told her, like, it's not that I don't want to go there. It's that these things, like, bother me. Like, they, they bother me deeply when we start talking about these things. And it goes down, the, <clears throat> excuse me, and it goes down that road. So, yeah. you know, like, being able to talk to you now, there was times where, like, I just didn't know if you were going to live. So... <clears throat> I haven't cried in a long time. And, uh, you know, this is like one of those things where it's like, um, you become numb to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You become numb and you just don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to talk about it anymore. And you don't want to put yourself in places or situations where you want to talk about it. Or I don't want to have to feel like I have to defend you. In yeah. front of other people Like hey you, Like you guys don't get my brother You don't get his story You don't get everything That he's been through You don't understand this shit Like I, I, why do I gotta fucking Paint this picture for you guys Every single time Yeah So you know Like I told her that I mean obviously I didn't get all emotional But <laughs> I would love to support The barbers there I know that Bro we, we spend probably Like 600 bucks a month On fucking hair <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean Like between me and Angel Shit We spend like $600 a month I would love for that to go through Evergreen Barbershop because I know it goes back to you. But for me, it was like, all right, like, I can't be in this situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, <clears throat> and that's what I meant earlier. It's like, I know he's had to just, you know, just give me to God. And, and yeah. Just, no, and, and, dude, and your wife is an amazing woman. She's a strong woman. God bless you with an amazing wife. You are extremely, extremely, extremely blessed Man. to have... The wife, the wife that you have, and and as a family, we have her back a hundred percent. This entire time, we've always been there for her, and it won't ever stop. You yeah, know, and no, I, I and I hope that. and I hope that one day, you know, for Lolo, that if I ever slip and I ever fall and I'm in the wrong, that you guys treat her. Yeah. You know, like you guys treat her like she's your sister. 
Yeah, you know? absolutely. <sighs> so, yeah, man. Um, ah, thank, man, thank, shit. Thank you for sharing that. You know, and I know it's not it's not easy. You know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of other individuals who were close to me that you know had to had to step away. You know, didn't know how to deal with watching me just uh, destroy my life. Um, you know, but um, I'm grateful for the chance that I got and um, that I have, and for my wife that's been a soldier. She's been strong. She's she's been. You know, I wrote her a letter yesterday for her birthday, and one of the things I said in there was, like, I'm so grateful for you for many reasons, but one of them being that my kids, my kids still want to be in my life. Yeah. Oh, they, they love you so much, man. Because she doesn't, because although she always had the reason to tell them that I was a dirtbag, she never told them otherwise, you know? She could have been like, no, your dad sucks, your dad this and that, but she didn't, you know? And the relationship that I have with my kids and you know they used to be a burden to me and now I see them as an opportunity as as a as a blessing you know yeah. they, they're my accountability you know um, I don't know what part of the bible but it says you know children are gifts yeah man children are gifts and treat them treat them like such right because I know with you know for angel like for the longest time I felt like he was a burden you know yeah. I, I felt that way and that's, I think, especially for, you know, when, when we grow up in these situations where we come from broken homes, yeah. when we weren't set, settled financially, when we didn't, when we weren't mature mentally and spiritually, yes. yeah. and we get put into these situations, it's like, we don't understand, we don't, we don't understand that our children are gifts, you know? Yeah. And then now it's like with Angel, man, like, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Like, my heart... <laughs> Like every time I get to see him play sports, every time I see him socially interact and make a new friend, every time like I see him in his greatness, I'm like, oh man, you're 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 gonna be incredible. Yeah. You're you're gonna be better than I ever could be. Yeah, and right? that's a beautiful thing too, man. And, and and honestly, man, like I know you've expressed that I've been through a lot, but you know I could say the same thing about yourself, bro. You know, uh, growing up without a father, um, you know, just him promising to to meet you and, and flake in and. Um, there's, you know, there was a lot of pain there. And, and I that, met him. Yeah. I, I, I heard, <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I was kind of just, what? I met him. And you I know? was like, when I met him, uh, I, I met him on a Cinco de Mayo. I was out partying in, uh, in SoCal and, um, I met him. And, uh, first thing I thought to myself was like, damn, you short. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, 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 like I'm like you know, and it's funny because you know, like I he's probably like a little bit maybe shorter than mom. Yeah. And uh, I've I've met uh, I've met you know my sister's mom who you know Jazari, uh, and I think her her mom's taller than my our mom, yeah, right? And yeah. then I met the mom of my brothers that you know like the three brothers that I discovered in San Jose. Oh right right right. And yeah. their mom's like really tall. Their mom's probably like a little taller than Lolo. Yeah, and I'm like right. God, I'm like damn bro like who 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 is this guy so. <laughs> I actually uh, ended up finding out that he has 10 kids, 10 kids from, uh, I believe, seven different women. Wow. 10 kids and seven different women. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, you know, it is what it is. It was something where, like, I, I had been, you know, holding that in for the longest time. And uh, I just decided to, you know, I was like, you know, it's time. Right. Yeah. So when the opportunity came, I was like, I just hit him up and I'm like, Yo, if you want to meet me here, I am. And, uh, you know, he was just like making all these promises again. I'm like, dude, he's like, oh, your son likes the 49ers. Like, you know, I got this thing. And I'm like, hey, look, 
They'll never promise me anything ever again. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be in my life, like you have very little chances with me. Like, I don't need you for anything. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I want you for anything. Right. Uh, he, obviously he had like a very big desire to know angel. Like that was like his big, like, Oh my, I want to know my grandkids. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, so I, I basically just like told him like, Hey dude, like you, you, you ain't got, you ain't got much, uh, much, uh, you don't have chances. So, um, pretty much don't tell me you're going to do something. Just do it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, like, do I, th- I think next time I'm down there, like I, I might like plan something where, you know, Angel and I can go visit him and, you know, hang out with him for a day or something. Yeah. But, uh, nah, man, all that, all that grows character because like, um, I remember like, you know, when, when it came time for when Angel came into my life, it was like a thing like, okay, well, am I going to let this kid, you know, be without a dad? And it was yeah. like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> no that way. was one of one, that was one of the things that that kept me grounded too, bros. When I've been in the program, going through it for a few months, um, is like, I have an opportunity, a chance to change my entire lineage by me holding it, like, like fighting through staying. Cause there's many times and there still is times, you know, I'm in my 10th month out of 12 and you know, you still think like, like things get to you and you're like, ah, bounce. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I have an opportunity to change my lineage, my kids, be there for them, you know, and be a good father, learn how to be a good father, learn how to be a good husband, a friend, you know, and balance all that out, you know. Well, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about like the future and, you know, your graduations in August. Yeah. So you're going to graduate. Um, you know, we just had breakfast at your house this morning. You yeah. come home to a beautiful house. Family's all put together like. You know, you got the shop, right? Um, things are on the up and up for your marriage. What's what's coming next? Like, what's what, what should we look forward to? Um, you know, I'm still positioned in my heart that I'm good with selling the shop um, and moving on. Um, but I'm going to wait to see what God does when I get out. Um, what I've, you know, since I got in the program, I've been asking God, like, God, give me vision. Give me dreams. Help me. Give me a glimpse of my future of what 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 did you purposely design me for? You know, and that's when he starts showing me myself what's in my heart, you know, and I have a big heart. I love to serve. Um, I love people. You just don't like all of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's tough, right? right? Yeah. But the Bible, the Bible in John 13, 34 says a uh, new command I give you. You know, love one another as I have loved you um, so that they'll know that people, people will know that you're my disciples, yeah. you know, and the Bible is all over the Bible. Love one another. Be devout to one another. Mm-hmm. Love, 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 love. Love covers a multitude of sins. And, you know, um, look at God. Sometimes he, he, he disciplines those he loves. Mm-hmm. Right. So love isn't this pretty picture that society paints. It's, it's both. It's, it's, it's the it's the building up, but also the rebuke of like it and correcting you. Yeah. Um, so, um, because I love to serve, um, when I got on probation in the program and, uh, they put you back in the first building that you come in, that's where you detox. That's where all the new folks is at, you know? And, um, I got the opportunity to, during my probation, serve these brothers that were coming in, 
you know, kicking drugs, didn't have clothes, um, their hair was long. Um, the ones that did have clothes needed them to walk, you know, need, needed to be washed, um, getting them blankets, pillows, socks, soap, shoot, you know, like shoes, um, serve, yeah. right? What did Christ do? He, he came to serve. He, he came for the, to, uh, serve people that were sick. He came for the sick, he says, you yeah. know, um, and that's me, man. He, he chose the foolish things of the world to fool, to shame the wise. Um, and my action shows <laughs> a lot of foolishness, you yeah. know, he came for me, he came for us to, um, to love on us, you know, and, um, I just feel God's love so much. Like one of the ways is like, how do you go to a pro, like, would you invite somebody to stay at your house in the Bay area, especially for 12 months for free, feed them, house them, discipline them, spend time with them, hear their problems, help them hit their goals for free and expect nothing in return. No. Right. No, like, <laughs> like if that's not, if, if me going to a program that's free, that's going to house me, uh, bring me around a bunch of other brothers that understand my background, where I come from. Right. Because it's, if you're trying to talk to somebody and explain your story and they don't understand you, like, like, how can we relate? Yeah. You know, the Bible says that, um, Jesus has adopted us back into sonship with the father. You know, he's brought us, um, into a family and as younger in, in our younger days, we sought out love and family and acceptance in gangs and women and, and, you know, sports and, you know, yeah. Um, and like, I'm just, I feel called to, um, help the next brother come up. Like, bro, like, what can I do to help you get out of your situation? Like go out to the streets. Well, let's start now. Cause the people who are listening to this, like they've, you know, now they kind of understand more of your situation, um, a little bit more about our relationship. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's start now. Somebody's listening to this right now and they have aspirations to, um, you know, have what you have, right. They want to, uh, or even what I have, right. We both have businesses that whether we work or not generate money, right. You also have, or you also are a real estate investor, Right. You and your wife have own properties yeah. um, and you guys are flipping. And I, you know, I know that you guys are planning on buying apartments. Right. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Well, no, hopefully it's done. It's done for you already. Yeah. You know, um, everything I do moving forward is like, God, how can I glorify you? How can I show and reflect what you've done in my life? You know, I still I still I'm like, God, you put this business mentality, this motivation, this hunger um, but you also gave me, you also gave me a big heart. So I'll, moving forward, I know you didn't put all these things in me for just for my selfish finance, you know, selfish gains, but how can I help the next man through doing the, you know, real estate investing, you know, building businesses. Cause over there we learned, I learned that, um, there's businesses that, uh, we keep the doors open, right. Cause it's free to us, the students that stay there, but there's, there's still bills, right? Yeah. So we find businesses that, uh, we'll donate and we'll, we'll just, we'll help them out. We'll go do work for them. Like if it's landscape, we'll go mow lawns and they'll pay us versus a, ra a random, yeah. you know, person. But, um, I'm like, all right guys, so I'm gonna build businesses and, and, and help people get off the street. Uh, mm. I'm going to buy, we're going to buy real estate. Um, and have, like somehow house people that need help. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not just 
for me and my family anymore like what can i how can i build my kingdom like god how can i help you build yours and mm. and i'm just a tree planted by the river that that just benefits from the water that's just streaming through my life <laughs> you know what i'm saying love that um so um let, again coming back to like somebody wants to get started now yeah they're uh you know let's let's talk to a barber because that's what you know very well right yeah so there's a barber who eventually wants to open a barbershop <laughs> you know let's talk about like what are the mistakes that they can avoid what you know what should they be thinking about like mm. how do they you know how do they set this up um you know i think that if you can if you can go from taking this taking the spotlight off yourself and providing value to the barber or the customer hand over fist meaning if you're getting paid 40 dollars, give them give them 100 dollars worth of service mm. um and so how do you do that find uh find find that you know that's that's something that you're gonna have to try to figure out and see what you're willing to do right so like one thing that you can do is um like the massage gun right mm. you give the haircut and then you just hit them with a massage gun boom 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 yeah right and you don't even charge them for it. Like, this is just part of the service. Shampoo their hair. Yeah. Right? Um, even conversing with them, like, what's up, man? How's your week? What's what's the next move? Like, what's the goal? How's your family? Right? That's still, I think that's still value, right? Cause 100%. You, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're caring for them emotionally, too. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, just, ba- so basically create an experience that other people are not add, willing to create. Add value. Add value. I remember when we went to New York and uh, you and I were in New York and, you know, you, there was like this barber shop that was like downstairs, like in a basement or something like uh, in a New York basement. And, um, you know, we we're just passing by. You didn't, you really didn't need a haircut, but we we're like, you know, let's test this out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what, you give me like a lineup or something. It, it was like, you know, it was an older dude. But like yeah. the thing is, like, I remember he gave you like this massage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. he gave you this massage. And I remember thinking like, damn. Yeah, and he did uh he did the the hot lather on my neck. Yeah. He did hot lather on my neck and I was like, Oh wow. That yeah, was, that was lit. That's that's not happening in San Jose. Yeah, it's not very common. Yeah. You know? Um but as far as a barbershop owner, mm-hmm. um, it's provide value for your barbers, right? Mm-hmm. I I try to ad- adopt the thought of like you're not a barbershop owner without your barbers and the barbers are not barbers without clients. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to put the client first. And me personally, um, from what I've learned over the years is um, provide value to your barbers. Right. Whether it's next trip, uh, you know, this, these are things that have happened in my shop. Right. Uh, next trips, you know, provide that um, the marketing, you know, um, these little things, uh, you know, take care of them, you know, um, there's one other thing that was that got brought up, toilet seat covers, <laughs> right? I was yeah. at, at that time I was like I'm gonna do that. Like if you want to like, bring it yourself, right? But yeah. it's like little yeah. things like that, man. That that provide value, like and not just that. Like I I will turn down a barber that's not gonna contribute to the atmosphere, mm-hmm. right? So if you're gonna come in and and ruin the atmosphere, like I as dope as you are, I just rather not have you there because we have a cool vibe and yeah. You know, so a little, little, you know, things like that. So being a good filter, being a good filter. You, you know, know, what's interesting too, like what there's so much, we talked about like the trauma and pain of like building a business, right? Yeah. You had to put up a ton of money. I remember, dude, I remember the first summer, 
<laughs> I remember the first summer when you know you got the place and you had like put in already like I don't know over thirty grand into the place, and then the summer came and it was ah, oh, <laughs> dang. I, you know what? We still kind of low key have that issue. You know, um, our AC we put in a ten thousand dollar AC and. That thing does not keep up with the heat, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, right? And that's something that's unforeseen. Yeah. Um, you know, the cost and all the chairs and then like windows get broken and like you oh, know, I remember somebody yeah. like stole equipment, like um so so you know, there's all this like liability that happens. There's the management. Um and I, I feel like even even like as of late, man, I, I feel what's more valuable is like finding a place that you can cut hair at without all the liability. You know, like just going into a place, leveraging the brand, leveraging the venue, leveraging the clientele and stacking up your dough. Right. Because, um, I, 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 uh, so for those of you listening to, right. So I'm going to ask you this, right? Like the, so the, the business was definitely generating income while you've been gone for the year. However, uh, with a barbershop, there's a cap. Yeah. There's only so much that one location can grow. Right. Unless you start really like and it just depends on how much effort you want to put in. Right. Because if you wanted to sell products and a bunch of other stuff, it's fine. But it's kind of like running two different businesses at that yeah. point. Right. So, you know, for the for those of you who are considering opening opening up a barbershop, um, this is what this is what I would say to that. OK. Is if you want to open up a barbershop, I would encourage you to take up the management position and run completely a hundred percent somebody else's barbershop for a year and see if that's something that you want to, you can see yourself doing long-term for your own uh, account. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, then you learn on someone else's dime, yep. you, you know, all the mistakes can be made there. Right. Um, and then you're not liable. That's actually like how I learned business myself. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I worked for other people before I became, I actually had that. I actually said that same thing to learn on somebody else's dime. That's actually where yeah, I got it from you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think it's, it, you know, it's very, uh, it's very underrated. I think everybody just wants to hop straight into entrepreneurship, but it's like, go, go run the books for somebody. Go, yeah. go. I've <laughs> had, I've had, uh, I think that I can think of off the top of my head. I've had two barbers, um, that have left opened up and one of them ended up coming back, mm-hmm. um, that I can think of, but you know, it's, it's not easy. Oh, you've had multiple barbers Lee. Like I remember like there was, a but situ- that came back though. Oh, okay. That came back. Yeah. yeah that came back and was like, all right, <sighs> hold on. Yeah. And also yeah. too, like guys, well, something that I can say like from my perspective, right? Like, uh, cause, cause I got to see this whole development of the barbershop, um, you know, being, uh, being Efren's brother. <laughs> uh, and especially at the beginning, I was really involved, but I remember yeah. there was these four guys and I'm not going to name names, but they became very buddy, buddy. They, you know, they became best friends, uh, at the barber shop. And then, you know, uh, they basically, you know, as a, as a barber renting a chair, you are a contractor, right? Or you, you are not an employee. You're not a W2 employee. Right. You're renting a chair. Um, so these guys, ultimately, they they wanted all the benefits of being a contractor, right? You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to show up when I want. I'm going to charge my prices or whatever. But they also wanted to be treated like employees, right? And they wanted, I rem- wanted employee benefits. They wanted employee benefits. So it's like, you know, these guys, there was really no way to make them happy. And it was hilarious because they eventually went on to open up their own barbershop, right? And then, you know, because obviously, like, you know, there's a lot of times where you're in situations with, like, guys who you feel like are your friends and then um you know they went to go open up their own barbershop and then eventually they all split up right 
Yeah. Uh, and and it was not like a happy split up for some of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the full details on on the aftermath of that. Um but um to their to their defense, I was a douche. I was, you know, I was a I was a douche, but I also was trying to run business, right? Yeah. And um yeah, they ended up they ended up uh going to open up their own spot and um I didn't wish nothing bad on them. You know, because at the end of the day, like, no, but the way that they did things was pretty grimy. Like, yeah, yeah, they 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 did things I in could, a way where it's like it's funny because like I just it was funny to see them do it, and then just a few months down the line, you know, like karma, right? Yeah, it just it just wasn't gonna work. It was it was like five owners for one, um, you know. Uh, but you know, everybody's got to everybody's got to see it for themselves. Yeah, you know, I'm actually still good friends with one of them. Um, the other ones, like I'm at peace with, I say, what's up with them, you know, like yeah. I don't have nothing against them. Um, there's no bad blood on my end. Um, and you know, some people just gotta, just, just gotta try it and, and whatnot. Yeah. But the, po- the point is this though, right? It's like, okay. Um, go- coming back to what, to what F was saying about running somebody else's barbershop for a full year, like that, the, the value that you're going to get is so like, is so through the roof. I remember you had like another, uh, young guy who like, he was the manager of the shop and he, he learned a lot. Right. I don't know what, like I ended up seeing him later, um, at another barbershop. He might own his own. I don't know. But the the point is, is like, people don't realize like, okay, if you go straight into opening up your own barbershop with no experience, um, you know, it might take you, (laughs) The risk gets bigger. Like it's already a risk, yeah. right? And you just made it that much bigger by not having any experience of uh, managing your another shop. Exactly. Running, you know. So coming back to like what I was saying, though, if, if you're if if you know this is from the outside perspective, right? Because if we rewind, if you take all the effort, all the hustle, everything that you put into this barber shop for the last what's well, been a decade, almost eight oh, years in okay. August for the last eight years. Okay. So let's assume that instead of putting eight years of effort into a barbershop, you put eight years of effort into a landscaping company or a cleaning company or some other company that was just unlimited, uh, unlimited, no least cap. scalable, no cap, yeah. right? You would probably have at least a $10 million business right now. Probably. Right. So this is something too, for barbers who are like wanting to have that barbershop, like, in my opinion, if you want that barbershop so you have like a place to hang out, that's a, that's a great idea. Like I remember when Barber's Inc. put up their first barbershop, they had like the pool table. It was, it was, yeah, it was lit. It was player. Yeah. Like everybody just wanted to go to hang out because it was like a hangout spot. So to me, if you ultimately want to have like a hangout spot, it's a great it's a great business, great investment. Otherwise, as a barber, I personally think that you should be living uh, as frugal as you possibly can. And stack up your dough so you can go invest it somewhere else. Yeah. Right. So yeah. That, that's. Uh, yeah. If I could, man, I'd probably just rent a chair and yeah. get that money that um, I'm making and look for assets to buy, yeah. find ways to to invest. Um, real estate being a really good one, right? Like tell uh, Ty Lopez, I think. Mm-hmm. I heard. Sure, Ty Lopez. Uh, he, he says he, he's, he he's been away for a year, guys. So he knows. No, yeah, I forgot no his name. <laughs> but uh, he says, well, they're not making any more land, so. Might as well buy some. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, true. And and that's and that's very true, right? You can't make more land. Uh, the more it sales, it's gonna be this the, the demand's gonna be high and the supply is gonna be low, which mm-hmm. is gonna cause the price to skyrocket, right? But even you can even start off with like a Roth IRA, um, an IUL life insurance, um, 
Yeah, yeah, you actually, know? yeah. Uh, that those living benefits too, like those yeah. those things are uh, are no joke. Yeah. Um. So so this is so this is what I'm what I'm saying though, right? Especially if if you are in a market like San Jose, New York, yeah. San Diego, San Francisco, where people are paying premium prices for haircuts. Okay, because again, guys, like me personally, my uh, our haircuts with tip. So for me and Angel, uh, it's sixty bucks uh, per haircut, right? So that's one twenty a week, two forty. Yeah, so just just uh, so okay, five hundred bucks, right? I, I said six hundred earlier. It's probably closer to five hundred. Two two clients bringing you five hundred bucks a month. Like this is the numbers are kind of ridiculous yeah. when you when you think about like how much money barbers are making nowadays, especially yeah. if you're good. Um, you, you make the money in this market and then you go invest it in other markets. Cause yeah. like, I know when you guys started buying property, it wasn't here in the Bay. No. Where was it? Uh, Reading, Sacramento. Uh, well, when I met Anais, she already had one in, uh, one in two in Reading. And then we bought a restaurant together with her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought a, a house in Sacramento. Um, yeah, I think, I think we only put 13 or 10 down on the sack house. Mm. Um, <laughs> Hey, which one of you barbers can put up 13 racks? Like, come on. Yeah, they got it. They got it. They got it. They should have it. Yeah, they should, and, at and least. I'll, and also, too, if you barbers want to become real estate agents, hit up Anais, a friend's wife, with Be Legit Books bookkeeping. Because if you want to become a real estate investor, if you want to buy a new car and you don't want to put it under your mama's name, yeah. you need to pay your damn taxes. Pay your taxes. Um and that's a whole that's a whole another rabbit hole that we can go down to. But um, I, I, I before I left, I did see that people were starting to talk about these things, which is good, mm-hmm. you know, because um, only reason why we were able to buy that I was able to buy my first house with my wife was because I pay I started paying my taxes back when I was 24, and I bought my first house when I was 27. And mm-hmm. I remember um, my dad was like, he was like, Nah, just save up your cash, just save up your cash. And I was mm-hmm. like, Uh. It, like my goal is different, yeah. right? Because my goal was to purchase a house and I knew that if I needed to purchase my house uh, or if I wanted to purchase my house, I needed to be able to show that paper trail. Correct. Yeah. Right. Which you probably should. I don't advise you to not pay your taxes. Yeah. Um, but um, so because I did that and I didn't even know if I was going to buy anytime soon. Yeah. But I knew I eventually wanted to make my next, my, my next investment a house and I knew what came with it. So um, that was a blessing too, because we were able to, um, 13 grand, let's say, I think it was 10, but let's say it was 13. Yeah. Right. That's still winning. You know, 100%. like you buy, I, we bought it for 13, um, at two sixty five. Uh, I think three years later we sold it for, two or three years later. We sold it for, um, two. I remember we made a hundred grand. You made a hundred grand. Right. You know, or 90 or something like that. Um, Without really having to do anything. Our, our right? take home, like that was what we brought. So, and so basically, like you, you think about it, right? Like, so you put in 13, uh, you know, eventually you you walk away 100, right? Did you guys have to pay taxes on that 100? Uh, that's a wife from my, that's a question for my wife. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's just, let's <laughs> just sure assume, did, let's just assume in a perfect world you have 100, right? And, you know, those other three years while you've been working, uh, you know, you, it, let's say you're able to stack it up. Dude, like as a barber, if you can keep, you know, especially like guys, don't be dumb and go move out of your parents' house if you got a good thing with your parents. Oh, man. If your mom's cooking for you every day 
yeah. if she's doing your laundry, you know, she's still treating you like a baby boy. Cause a lot of, a lot of these Bay area Latino boys got that special fucking treatment from the hey, mamas. I ain't even mad at them though. I'm not mad at them either. Mad at That's what I'm saying. Just stay there. Like, what yeah. are you, what are you doing? Especially if you're paying little to no rent. Yeah. You know, keep your fifteen hundred dollar per month fucking expenses and make you know twelve grand a month, dude. Yeah. You do that math over a year, like you're you're able to uh, to do what, like, dude, that's like a hundred grand in savings a year. Yeah, you can say some serious dough, man. If you really put in work and are disciplined, uh, do you remember how I saved up my dude. little method, a little well, madness of uh, of a hundred dollars? Oh, <laughs> well, dude, I just here's the thing with you. I, I who taught you how to save? Is it your dad? Um, possibly, but I remember that I just wanted something when I was in, when I was in fifth grade, um, my babysitter, Miss Debbie, mm. she would pay me $3 a week to come home from elementary school, drop off my backpack, go back and pick up, just walk the rest of the kids back from daycare, <laughs> you know, for, from school to daycare. Right. Yeah. And, um, I remember I, I've always been into shoes, so I was saving up for these $60 shoes, K-Swiss at the time. <laughs> and, um, and I would just save it. Grandpa would give us three bucks on the yeah, Sundays, right? right? So right, I was right. like, all right, cool, three here, three here. And, and you know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's I think it's about putting the carrot in front of in front of yourself and the which is the goal. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. This is uh yeah, because I because I, I think like, oh my man, you you've always had that skill of saving. Um, but that's that's it was instilled in you, right? Through your yeah. uh, through the people that are around you, right? Yeah, for sure. Um but anyway, anyway, and that's why we talk about these things because yeah. it's not like, especially Latinos, like we like, we don't, we don't, we're kind of, um, I don't know if this is good to say, but we're kind of financially illiterate. Like we don't, we are, you know, what we, I'm saying? dude. Like generally speaking, okay. So for the longest time, I was looking at my clientele. I'm like, man, my clientele is white and Asian. Hmm. Why is my clientele white and Asian? Because the, mine were t- mine eventually became like it just it became different from the homies to professionals mm-hmm. yeah and and that's where um you know because eventually you raise your prices and and as a barber when you raise your prices a lot of your clients leave you yeah. like i ain't paying the extra ten dollars or twenty dollars whatever no, um naturally yeah and and when you know like when i started doing business like why why does outsource plug you know why do we have white and asian clients well because in order for like you to be a good outsource plug client you're already doing over a million uh uh, ideally five plus million dollars a year. You already have payroll. You already have other employees. You have systems, processes, right? Like all these things that are like, you know, I'll call it like legal minded, right? Like these, these people are running legit businesses. They yeah, want to pay their taxes. Business. They want to have HR, right? But when you, when you talk to a lot of Latinos, they're like trying to do cash businesses or they're not thinking in a way where like, Oh, I'm going to hire somebody. And like a lot, a lot of people don't understand like, okay, um, you know, when you're paying somebody cash and you pay them $20 per hour, you know, that's only $20 per hour that they make cause it's cash. But as soon as you move to, uh, you know, to a legal, uh, business, then $20 per hour is the money that you're paying them. Plus you have to pay taxes on that $20 per hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus you're also paying for, uh, benefits. Plus you're also paying, right. Workman's comp and insurance and <laughs> right. So, so then, then that $20 per hour eventually becomes, you know, 25 or $27 per hour. Right. But Latinos will never, they don't think that, right. No. Like they, they, they don't, they don't, but also like, again, if you want <laughs> my, my business, I was so mad when, uh, I was so mad because I had always been striving towards having, um, you know, my business be legit like this. Yeah. And I remember at the time, especially from where we came from. 
Yeah, dude, it's it's <laughs> right? ni- it's nice, bro. I have my taxes right here. If the if if the IRS or the government walks in and is like, we're gonna see your books. Go ahead, because yeah. everything's legit, right? Be legit bookkeeping, guys. Hit up on Ais at Be Legit. Yeah. Be <laughs> but, legit. Yeah, yeah. You have to have a bookkeeper. You have to do this. But like, I remember, like, dude. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be wondering, like, when we were younger, like, hey, is somebody listening into our phones? Yeah. Because, because, like, guys, we used to move a lot of weight, and uh, when we were younger, and that's, and for those of you who don't know, that's how Outsource Plug got his name, right? Because when we, <laughs> it's funny, because like, you know, like people who don't know, they're like, oh, Outsource Plug, okay, yeah, I get it. You connect people with uh, companies, oh, you pl- plug them in, connect, oh, okay, get it. Uh, yeah, but I was also the plug. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's like where you know that's where Outsource Plug comes from. So it's got a double meaning. Yeah. But coming back to, you know, being uh, being legit, like, yeah, dude, we, we're not worrying if people are listening to our calls. We're not worrying yeah. about all this stuff because. Man. Right. So the, the, <laughs> the freedom that you get when yep. you truly, truly are legit, man, it's yeah. uh, undescribable. Yeah, really. for real. I remember that, man. Like, that was one of the reasons why I did open up my shop was was like I was like, man, I can't. Oh, yeah, you were a garage barber. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't keep living in my rearview mirror, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I let. I slept in my parents' garage with a shotgun. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't yeah. know if you knew that. My uncle I, Robert gave me that. Yeah, yeah I remember the shotgun. Just RP Uncle Robert. You know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, man, it's it's definitely like a breath of fresh air. You ain't got trip on. You know, you're doing everything legit. So, um. You know, and and you and not just that; it's a good challenge. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, how can I make myself legit um, so that I ain't gotta stress nobody? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I don't gotta worry about this person walking in. Is it state board? Is it IRS? Is it the state? You know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're tagged up. You're good. Yeah, and I, I remember. Uh yeah, I remember like when State Board came through and you had like three, three, oh, like, yeah. three barbers with no the licenses. Beginning. It was like, damn. Matter of fact, it was probably the whole, <laughs> man, was, out of 14 chairs, it was probably like 10. <laughs> I, re- I remember real. the day that they came through, like, damn. Yeah, we got tagged. Right? Like, I think three, hey. three barbers or two. Yeah, um, I, I remember like, you know, the barbers trying to go shit, like, bro, I'll get my license like in a month. You can't give me a break or nothing. The dude's like, nah. <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, Oh, God. So coming back to like, uh, you know, Latinos and financial literacy. Right. So, yeah, I agree. Um, Latinos generally. Right. And I'm speaking generally because not everybody. Some some of y'all's family are second, third generation wealthy, but that's not us. OK. Um, so I'm speaking for most Latinos. Um, we, we don't come from financially literate families. So now it's like, OK, I, I always feel like, you know, you, me, Amalia, um, we're like the three that have been trying to break away from the mold more than yeah. anybody else in our family. Yeah. We're, we're the three uh, entrepreneurs who have successfully sustained ourselves building businesses. We, you know, we don't have jobs anymore, right? Um, I don't know of anybody else in our generation no. that that has hit that level. On right? my mom's side, no. Um, on my mom, my, sure, right. sure. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about your dad's side. Right, right. I, I don't know about that side. But also, like the, your your dad's side of the family, I would argue that your your dad's side of the family is like actually way more hustle, like yeah. uh, way more of hustlers than mom's side. Yeah, you for know? sure. Uh, but coming back, uh, but my my company's bigger than most of those. Mom, oh, God, oh, God. Wow. Ah, there's family feud. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, no. That, you, you know, it's funny. I got that chip on my shoulder. Yeah, I got that chip on my shoulder. I always, I, 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 you know, uh, I always remember, uh, 
I was looked down upon by that side of the family, your side, your dad's side. And, and for a while he was like an idol to me, you know? I, yeah. And, uh, I remember when that happened, I'm like, all right, there's some wounds there. Yeah. yeah I was like, fuck that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be more successful than anybody in your family, period. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Any, I, just, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but you know what, dude, if you know, chips, chips on shoulders, if you, if, if they're you, important, if you, if you grab them and, and, and like, leverage them right versus letting them you know take you down the wrong path like it could be good man yeah yeah no i think uh you know brandon my business partner um he he really knows how to like get me going in terms of like he he knows like i'm very motivated by like you can't do that <laughs> like you know what i mean like he's very uh, he, reverse he, psychology or yeah what? he reversed and it's funny because like I, fu- I forget that he's doing it all the time right and i just get so mad and i'm like fuck that i could do that <laughs> right and then i and then i end up doing it so but anyways, guys, um, so I guess like, you know, I, I want to start closing out because this, this uh, podcast did go a little bit longer than most. But, uh, you know, closing out again, man, there's somebody out there who is thinking about giving up there. Um, man, well, maybe I know somebody that's struggling and it doesn't necessarily it, it could be alcohol, alcohol, drugs, gambling, <laughs> sex, like whatever. You know, what I'm saying if you got life controlling issues, um, my goal uh, and I share this with my wife is that. I just want to be the plug of, of resources mm. like be go get when I come out, go to these organizations that are ready. Like there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, go and make connections, build those bridges. Like, hey, I'm effort. This is what I'm doing. I'm going out to the streets. I'm 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 vocalizing like if anybody needs help, mental help, whatever. Hit me up. I'll point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I already have the interview process. Um done meaning like i'll know how this particular organization wants their interview process mm-hmm. right and what's their requirements and what not to get I'm, into this i'm, I'm gonna get you in we're gonna get and, you and in. we're gonna get you ready so that once their re- once their bed opens up or or you know a slot opens up for a counseling session whatever boom we already did everything but yep. y- you need financial help boom we need you need housing we got, i got this person you know what I'm saying? I don't I don't want to own anything. I just want to be the plug of like you need help, I got you. Yeah. Like I know I know a person. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, and that's so that's great. Eventually, um my wife and I are going to make um some bracelets with the phone number. It's just a phone number whenever you're ready on it. It's going to read whenever you're ready or need help, call. Yeah. And that's it. It doesn't matter what time it is, you know, and and we'll, we'll figure out how to help people and, and get people off the street. Cause a lot of times I didn't, you know, my stepmom, she's the one that found my first program. Yeah. Um, and had she not done that, I probably wouldn't have looked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which is really good. Right. Uh, that she did that. Right. Because, uh, I think, I think, uh, again, um, she, she, I think a lot of people were probably in denial, right? Like, uh, you know, they, they thought like, oh, nothing's wrong or he can, he'll make yeah. it through this. Right. But she was like, yeah. she had that insight where it's like, okay, y'all are too emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she, man, I'm grateful for her, man. Yeah. Um, that she found that first program, uh, one, one of the five that I've been to. Um, and, and I say that because, you know, we fall, we get back up, we fall, we get back up and we keep it pushing, you know, and, and keep fighting the good fight. Um, but uh, she found my first program and had she not done that, I wouldn't have looked, mm-hmm. I would have been like, this mountain's way too big for me. I'm just going to give up right here and die on this mountain. Right. right you right. know, but she was like, nah, like let's find your first program. She got the ball, ball rolling on my first program. And, I, and that's when I kind of was like, 
okay, there is help out there. Yeah. I don't have to live this life, you know? Yeah, and for those of you who know somebody who wants to commit suicide, call, yeah, nine, call 911. It's, that stuff's call real, 911. man. It's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, but I love that, Ben. So you, you're going to be a resource. So, like, let's say somebody's listening to this. Um, they want to get a hold of you. Uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, you know, I don't have a line of communication at this time. Um, but after August 20th, uh, you can hit up my Instagram. You can text my phone 408-460-7307. And, you know, I, when I get my phone, I'll, I'll reach out, you know, and, and, um, help point you in the right direction, you know, um, cause you know, we all need help and that's okay. I grew up, uh, being independent and from a Mexican background that was like, no, I'm macho, I'm prideful, and I'm, I'm not going to ask for help. I'm gonna, I got this, yeah. right? But, you know, God's humbled me and re- helped me realize, like, I can't take on the world. I can't do this by myself. I need people, you know what I'm saying? I need help, and that's okay, yeah. you know? And so it's okay to, to, to ask for help. We all need oh. it. Well, guys, that's uh, that's F. Appreciate anybody who's listened uh, up to this point. Uh, you know, hope God blesses you all. And uh, if this episode impacted you, yeah, just make sure you share it with a friend. Yeah. Y'all take care. God bless y'all. You've been listening to the Scalability Podcast. Don't forget to share with a friend and follow for more resources on how to profitably grow your business beyond the limits of your personal time, energy, and skills. Get out my way.